Warm Sabbath greetings, everyone, and welcome to services here from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. It is the fourth day of the 10th month on the Hebrew calendar, and we are 97 days away from Passover. Time certainly is fleeting. We uh, bring you greetings from what is now a uh, gray zone lockdown here where I live in Hamilton, Ontario, a suburb of Burlington. And uh, understand that uh, you may also be in lockdown, and we're just uh, blessed and grateful to be able to bring you this service on a weekly basis. We're uh, thankful to the uh, man behind the controls, Pastor Adrian, who's, who does a phenomenal job each week, and Sister Jennifer playing the piano. And uh, certainly looking forward to a, a great service here today with a message from our brother, Deacon Jan Kowalczyk. We'll begin services here with an opening prayer from uh, Brother Dylan Swan from the Burlington Congregation. Heavenly Heavenly Father, um, we'd like to thank you for guiding us through this increasingly strange world once again to be with you on the on the Sabbath day. And Father, we thank you for your presence and uh, all your many blessings that you give us. Uh, we ask that you continue to bless our leaders with wisdom through your word. And we ask that you um, help us all to open our minds and hearts to take in your word and uh, make it part of uh, our journey. And um, Father, we ask that you Grant us the wisdom and courage to fulfill our our parts in your plan and to disseminate your word and um, and uh, Father, we just we can't say how much uh, this day means to us and and uh, we thank you for your for your for the love that you give us every day and please father just know that uh we love you and uh, we come to you in the name of your son jesus christ amen thank you brother dylan for that prayer i made note of a reference that you made to how grateful we are for the word of god that has preserved been preserved for us down through the ages we'll sing a little bit about that now as we begin the song service we'll sing page 39 from our hymnals uh you know and uh, have a look at your screen. The words will be um, there for us. We'll sing page 39, Wonderful Words of Life.
Thank you, everyone, for joining us in song as we sing praises to our God. Thank you to Sister Jennifer for the piano. We'll now move to the scripture reading. We'll be read to us by Brother Daniel Kowalczyk. He'll be reading from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath. Uh, The scripture reading is from Psalms 2, verses 1 to 8. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have said my king on my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that very much. Just a couple of announcements before we go into the second hymn and then the sermon for the afternoon. Uh, As usual, we will be having our Wednesday Bible study this coming Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on this network. We will be up to Psalm 94, and so please join us for a line-by-line study of of the Psalms, beginning this uh, Wednesday at 7.30 with Psalm 94. It will also be an infused study where we connect uh, young people from around the world, uh, most notably Jamaica, here in Canada, the United States, and the Philippines. Uh, We alternate between Friday evenings and Saturday mornings out of uh, deference to our uh, Filipino brethren. So we'll have our next infused study will be next Sabbath. Uh, Please watch for some announcements in your local congregation and on uh, social media. Next uh, Sabbath morning at 8 a.m., the topic will be answers from Genesis, answers from Genesis. So please join us uh, if you're part of the the Infuse age group. Certainly be love to have you. We will now go into our our second hymn. Uh, Immediately following this second hymn, we will hear from our brother, Deacon Jan Kowalczyk, who always has something interesting for us when he uh, teaches us. His message is entitled, The Birth of Christ, The Untold Story. The birth of Christ, the untold story. Certainly looking forward to hearing that from our brother this afternoon. Before that, we will sing one more hymn come from page 92 in our hymn books. Page 92, The Lower Lights, and then The Birth of Christ, the Untold Story.
Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath to all of you. And as always, you know, we are very grateful that, you know, you're all able to join us here on this Sabbath day in this lockdown, in this craziness that's happening around us. And, you know, as was in the opening prayer of our brother Dylan, you know, we have to be thankful for this day, at least this one day out of the seven days that, you know, we can just, we can just relax, we can just hold back and just, you know, think about what's more important in this day and age. Way more important than COVID-19 and elections and social justice and everything combined. So thank you again for being faithful and joining us. And today I want to talk about the birth of Christ. You know, I don't want to talk about the birth of Christ according to the Christmas that is just a few days away, that billions of people will be actually sitting down around the table and celebrating and celebrating this event. And this event is so popular that is catching up even in countries, in continents that are not Christians at all. People just decorate their homes and decorate, decorate their surroundings. They buy Christmas trees, exchange gifts, even though they don't believe, they don't even know who Christ is. So it's just amazing how this inventions by humans, invention by Satan himself, is spreading so quickly or quicker than the gospel. So as I said, I wanna I wanna speak today about the birth of Christ, not according to the Christmas that we know it, but the birth of Christ according to the Bible. And I wanna start today my message with unusual place. I wanna start with the Gospel of John. So please turn your Bible to the Gospel of John, the, the third chapter. I wanna start with the one of the most popular, one of the most quoted verse of all from your Bible. And you probably know what I'm talking about. One of the most quoted, one of the most popular, remember, verse is John 3, 16. I want to begin there. Okay, I want to begin there because we have to say, we have to set some things straight before I go into my message. John chapter 3, this one verse, and you probably, most of you, you don't even have to open your Bible because you can remember from the memory. You can quote it. Let's read it. For God's all of the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a great verse. I can quote it too. I can remember it too. And we love it. We love it, especially the first part. For God so loved the word, and we like the last part. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But here, in this verse in the middle, there are some few words that are, you know, they were very unsettled to me. That give me a little bit trouble understanding this verse. What do you mean? It says, he gave his only begotten son. So that's come from the English translation. The only begotten son. So my question right away is, wait a minute. Was Christ really created being? The only begotten son. You know, was Christ really created? Did he actually have a beginning? And as you read that, if not, then, you know, some questions come. Can God become a man? And, you know, all these questions are multiplied. So let's just try to figure out this part first because we go to the first day of Christ, okay? The Greek word for only begotten, okay? Is monogenous. 
So I'm not going to spell it for you. Most of you sitting on electronic devices, you can click at it and you can find it. But basically, the meaning of this word in Greek, mono means only, and kinos mean kind. Only kind or only race. If we combine these two words together, we could come with like only only kind or a unique or a special. Okay? So this son of God is a unique son of God. He's only son of God. He's a special son of God like no one ever before it or after. So I think that English translations of these two words, only begotten, doesn't give us the justice. I think it starts to confuse me or confuse us if you really put some thought into this verse. You know, was Christ really created, right? Now, if Christ is the only kind, Christ is the only unique Son of God. Now, how should we understand this in the context of the whole Bible? How should we understand this in the context of the whole Bible? So let's go to Hebrew chapter 11. Let's go to Hebrew chapter 11. What does this word mean? Special, begotten, okay? Hebrews chapter 11. And I think this part of the scripture will give us a better understanding what the Apostle John was trying to convey to us, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, and verse 17 and 18. And we, we're reading here about Abraham. So it says in verse 17, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up, offered up his, and look at the verse here at the end of this verse, offered up his only begotten son. And verse 18, of whom it was said, in Isaac your, your seed shall be called. So wait a minute. If you remember a little bit from the Bible, from your Bible study, you will know that Abraham, he had more than one son. Isaac actually was not his only son. Before Isaac, we have, we have, uh, uh, see, just, who was the, see, just, just, just left my mind. His first son was born to Hagar. But we know what I'm talking about. It just, just escaped my mind. But Isaac was actually his second son. And we go either farther to the scripture, you can see that he was later when Sarah died, he was married to Keturah. And through Keturah, he's another six sons. So together, Abraham had about eight sons. So Isaac was not the only one begotten one. But if you look at this part of the scripture, that the blessings, the special blessings from God through Abraham was carried on through the next generations through the special seed, through Isaac. So Isaac was the only one. He was the unique son of Abraham. The only son of Abraham, the blessing of God through, came through Abraham and further on down through generations. So I think that's how we should understand this verse 316 in John, whatever it says is in the Hebrew. I think that would be, that would be the better understanding of it. I think if we translate this verse a little bit different, we'll probably have a better understanding. So John 316 in, let's say, in New International Version, it sounds a little bit better. Let me read it to you. And you can check it other versions, the modern versions, right? So not all the modern versions are horrible. For God so loved the world, that's from NIV version. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
So I personally believe that this verse from NIV is a little bit better expression than the New King James Version, the King James Version, the only begotten. Okay? Now, the message of the scripture is that Jesus is the one, he's the only one, and he's the very special son of God. There is no any other like that before or after. Okay? And no one can be. He's the only one. And for us, for believers, we know that Christ was not created. Christ did not have a beginning. He was not made. Okay? He was not made. He lived with his father in eternity. He's with his father in eternity forever. If we talk about eternity, we talk about eternity. There is no beginning. There is no end. That's, that's how father operates. Okay? So we can't say, when you talk about, let's say, a birthday of Christ, we say, let, let's say, in my birthday, so, you know, it means that on that day I was born, I was brought into this world, this is my beginning. But if we talk about the birthday of Christ, Christ really didn't have a beginning. Okay? We need to keep this thing in mind when you talk about Christ's birth. Christ was with his father from eternity. And now, the other question that we try to answer this thing, I was trying to look how Christ was born into this world. How can an eternal being have a birthday. How can have an eternal being have a birthday? Having a birthday, as I said, it indicates that someone has a beginning. And if someone has a beginning, it means someone has an end. So how is that related to Christ, who was eternal with his father? So let's explore now. Let's look through some Bibles. And let's show how Bible gives us some clue how we should understand this topic, how we should understand the Christ when he come into this world, when he come into this world the first time through the birth, through Mary, okay? Because it's very important, we'll see, will God give us some clue through the Bible, help us to understand how all this process came about. So as we go through all this thing, we need to keep in mind, okay? We need to keep in mind, the birth, the human birth of Christ, let me tell you, it was a huge, it was a huge miracle. One probably of the biggest miracle in the Bible. And this miracle happened only once. There's such a big sign. It happened only once in our human history. It will never, ever happen again. At least, there's nothing ever mentions anything ever again in the script that something like that will ever happen again. Okay? That's how huge this miracle was. Okay? How you get an eternal God, eternal being, to come in a human flesh and to die? You know, eternal flesh, eternal being, come down here walk among us, and not just that, and die, and then being resurrected to glory. This is a mind-boggling. We as a human, we can't really understand. We can't fully comprehend how is that possible. So I hope that at the end of the day, at the end of my presentation, we'll have a little bit better understanding to this process, how God is working this thing out, okay? So let's begin our, our quest for Christ's birth. Let's go to the Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read some verses here. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And let's pick it up the story from verse 26. The Gospel of chapter 1. And, re- and let's, let's start reading from verse 26. It says now here, now in the sixth month, okay, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And as we're reading the story, just, you know, keep in mind that, you know, this name that we have it here, 
anglicized name don't have the same meaning what the Hebrew names have it in the Bible. So the Hebrew name Gabriel, you know, when you look at this, at least when I quickly check on my phone, on a, on a tire definition, that's what I have on my phone, it says Gabriel means in Hebrew, man of God, okay? So the special messenger, when Gabriel or Michael comes in a, you know, human realm, usually, usually it's something spectacular. Usually it's a huge message. Not just a message. They are announcing an event that's going to change our, our human history on this planet. They don't just come for, you know, little dream experiment or something else like that. No, when they come and they audibly pass a message to a prophet or to somebody, usually it's a huge. It's a life-changing event for all of us, most of us, okay? So Gabriel means man of God. Now we look at Mary, which Hebrew means Miriam. It means, on my phone it says, the rebellion, okay? The rebellion, that's the meaning of, of the name Mary, okay? So this man of God comes in the midst of the rebellion and making a huge announcement, okay? So let's read it. So I see the name Nazareth, verse 27. So a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Okay? So, just just keep reading. You'll bring a son and shall call his name, okay? There's another addition. You shall call his name Jesus. In Hebrew, Yahshua means to say. Okay, to say. And verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, if you don't have any connections to the Hebrew Bible, we have no idea what is actually mentioned, right? God is trying everything to fulfill what he promised in the Hebrew Bible. That's basically what it is. God is just working out his plan of salvation step by step by step. And now it comes the appointed time. For Christ to be born, so to speak. Now verse 33. And he will reign, okay? He will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. So thou should just think about it. If I'm a human, mortal man, you know, I am giving a birth to a baby that's going to be mortal like me. How can this baby, okay? How can this baby reign over the house of Jacob forever? Just think about it. It's a mom puzzle. It is. What would you, would you rather, if you were married, there's shoes, what would you think of? Or Joseph? What would you think of? If you try to tell and explain to your relatives, to your neighbors, to your friends, they'll tell you, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. You're losing your mind. But she accepted it. Forever. Then Mary said, verse 34, said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man, how can I get pregnant? Okay? An angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, as this miracle conception that's going to happen right now, the angel is saying, Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called what? 
the Son of God. And keep this thing in mind. The Son of God will be called the Son of God. This statement, it doesn't just appear here for the first time in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Okay? It just doesn't appear here for the first time. It wasn't a new concept. It just suddenly appeared with what we call the New Testament, the apostolic writings. Okay? Let's move on. Let's go to Psalm chapter 2 that Daniel read to us today. Let's go there. Let's go there. We're going to gather some clues. Okay? How is this miraculous thing happening? Some, some too. And let's start to read, let's start to read this one. It's such a powerful, it's also a messianic. Every Jew recognized that this, this is all about the Messiah. Okay? They all know it. Till this day they believe it is all about the Messiah. So let's just read it quickly from the beginning. Why do the nations rage and the people plot up vain things? Okay? So all the leaders, all the nations that are back then and today, Whatever they're planning to do, whatever they're planning to ex- execute, whatever, you know, all these conspiracy theories, you know what, whatever they try to accomplish, everything's going to, it's just a pain. God is working a plan. He's in a full control. Let's keep reading. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So, stop here for a second. This is Psalms 2. This is a hundreds of years written. Hundreds of hundreds of years written before the gospel of love. Who is the Lord and who is the anointed? It can be the one, the same being, right? Who is the Lord and who is the anointed one? Let us break their bonds. That's what the, that's what the leaders of the world conspire, okay? They say, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. So, brethren, don't worry. Who is in control? Either it's President Trump or President Biden or, you know, President Putin or, you know, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It doesn't matter. Whatever they conspire, whatever they try to accomplish, God is looking at this thing and he's laughing. And he's laughing when they try to conspire. He says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Pay attention to verse 6 and verse 7. This is huge. Verse 6. Then he shall speak to them in verse 6. Yet I have set my king. So the Lord saying, God saying, I, I the Lord, I God, I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Said I God, I set my king and verse 7, I will declare the decree the Lord said to me. And look what he says. This king, Lord says, I will set my own king. How does he call him king? You are my son. Wow. Psalm 2, written hundreds of hundreds of years before Christ was actually born, before we actually go to the Gospel of Luke, then all the words might be fulfilled in Christ everywhere. Okay? This psalm is getting fulfilled in low times, at least to some degree. Not all of it, at least to some degree. You are my son. So this king that I'm going to set up is not just it's not just David. It's not just, you know, Solomon. Or it's not just Moses or Joshua. A special man as this were. No. The special king, he is my son. If he is my son, he's a God's son. 
Ah, this is unheard of in the Hebrew Bible. God, eternal being, God having a son. What's going on here? How shall we understand this thing? How shall we understand these songs? Okay? And look what he says. You are my son, and today, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. We'll continue this a little bit later. What I want you to remember, just for now on, we'll come back to this song. We'll finish it, okay? Because there's some some stuff that we need to tackle with, okay? But for now, I just want you to remember this, this first clue, the Son of God, okay? The Son of God. This King is my Son. This is how important it is. This King is my Son. God refers to my King as my Son. This is crucial. This is so huge. People back then didn't get it. People during Messiah's time didn't get it. And even so many people today they still don't get it. Still don't get it for some reasons. What a revelation. Unheard of in the Hebrew Bible. Let's look for a second sign. Okay, we need, we need to, like detectives, we need to, we need to gather all the special signs and see how this event happened. That such a powerful being, eternal being, existing with Father for eternity, suddenly came in a human form and was born to us here. Okay? Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Let's go to another clue here. Isaiah chapter 7, which is going to take from here a one verse. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says here, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, okay? The Lord will give you a sign, a special sign. What is the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay? Emmanuel. So I'll just slow down here. How, how can a child be born to a human mother as a virgin? Till this day, it's impossible. So this time had to be a huge one. Okay? Huge one. It was a specific time, as I said. This time was so specific that happened only once in a lifetime or once in our human history, not in our one lifetime, in our once in our lifetime history, okay? It happened once in human history. It will never ever happen again. You see, the young women give birth to their babies for over thousands of years. It happened every single year on a massive scale, okay? On a massive scale. But virgin, giving a birth is a huge sign. It's a miracle. Okay? It's a miracle. And now, so that's another sign. But, so we are talking about, as we gather the signs, we just need to realize that this being that is about to be born, it can be just human. That's why we need all these miracles. Okay? It can be just about human. Let's go to the third sign. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, 21 to 23. It says here, 
and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus again, okay, to save, for he will save his people from their sins. And again, if I would put my Hebrew mind, let's say, if I would put my Hebrew mind trying to understand what the Torah was telling me, how can a human being come along the way, you know, to be born and take my sins away? Something doesn't add up here, okay? Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, and again, it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, verse 23, Behold, we cover this, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is what? Which is translated God with us. Wait a minute. God with us. How does child, if he comes as a human being, how can we call him God that, you know, being with us? This is a special birth. This is not just a regular birth. This is not just a simple human being, no matter how good they are. No, this is way more than about a simple human being. Let's go, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. So we know about Emmanuel, God with us. What else? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called. We're talking about his name. It's not about name, that his name will be Jesus. Now we're talking about his name, but the Bible says we're talking about this child titles that he's going to bear through his life, okay? We're talking about the titles, okay? The function. So let's see what kind of titles for this child. So just, just you know, try to imagine that you're a Hebrew mind, okay? You think that God is only one, that's it. God is one and there's nothing. No even come close, okay? Just try to think about it. Try to put yourself into the story. His name will be called, and we have it here. What his name will be called? Wonderful. That's one of his titles. Consular. Mighty God? Really? A mighty God? How about this? Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. And look at here. From that time forward, from that time forward, even forever. We can't just talk about the simple birth of a baby whom I live even up to 120 years, but eventually guess what? We all die. This is a huge announcement. This is a huge miracle. Okay? And, and again, all these titles refer to what? Consist, consistently compare Christ to God. Micah. Micah chapter 5. Let's have another scripture here. 
Let's put all the signs together, all these pieces together. This king is my son. This son's gonna bear many different titles. And this son's gonna, you know, gonna come to this world in a special, specific, miraculous way. So no one ever will be able to copy this thing at all, even Satan the devil. Okay? Micah, chapter five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judas, yet out of you shall come forth to me, okay, forth to me, the one to be the ruler in Israel. And look at these descriptions, okay? Whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Really? If I have a birthday, I have a beginning. I came to this world, let's say, in October, let's say, 1970. That was just the beginning. And I have an end. I have a destination. So one day my life's going to end. But here, was going forward from old, from everlasting, or from eternal, the other translations put it. What can you, how can you add all these things together, son, and say, you know what, this is just the prophecy about, you know, some Messiah who's going to come in a human flesh and, you know, all those things. It can be. This is not a descriptive of normal human being. It can be. It's way more than that. That's how this special, this how special this child who was born to Mary, how special the child is to God. The only, okay, specific, unique son of God. Unique, specific, only one. There was no one like that before and there was never ever going to be anyone like that after. Okay? This is how special is the relationship between Christ and his father. Now, let's go back to Psalm 2. Let's go back to, to Psalm 2. And verse 6 and 7. And again, yet I have said my king on my holy hill of Zion, I will decree the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. What is that supposed to mean? Today I have begotten you. And you are my son. And again, should we think like Christ has a beginning? That actually here the father is saying, you know, from this day moment I have begotten you. Is that what he's saying here? That you know, oh, there was no Christ. Suddenly, boom, there's a human being or somebody that got created and put him in place. Today, from this moment, a specific moment, today, saying, I have begotten him. Is that what it says? We need to find out. Fortunately for us, fortunately for me, this part of the scripture is actually quoted three times in the apostolic writing. And thank God for that. Okay, it's quoted three times in the apostolic scripture. But first, before we go there and find what it is in other places, let's just talk about this begotten again. Because this time it's not in a, it's not in a Greek. It's in a Hebrew word. So let's look at this begotten, what it means. The Hebrew word for begotten here is yelat. And I'm going to spell it for you. You can find it out. You have all you know, electronics ability, computers and things like that. You can check it for your own. You can check it for yourself. But what this word means? It can mean to bear, it can mean to beget, but it can also mean to bring forth. Okay? This is important. Remember the last one. To bring forth. 
All right. Now I said that this this scripture, this part of this psalm is quoted three times. It's quoted three times in the apostolic writing. Let's go to Hebrew chapter 1. Hebrew chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's see if we can, we can, let's see if we can get something out of Hebrew chapter 1. You know, the more meaning. What is that supposed to mean? Begotten, okay? So here in Hebrew chapter, Hebrew chapter 1 verse 5, it just said, for to which of the angel did he ever say, and here comes the quote from Psalm 2, and he says, you are my son, today I have begotten. So we can get much here. The only thing we can get it here, as we read, as we, as we study Hebrew, what we can get it is that here, you know, the writer tried to put, tried to put the son way above the angels. But if he's the Christ, if he's the son of God himself, then obviously, he has to be above everything. Right? If they have such a special relation. But it doesn't explain what it means today I have begotten. It doesn't explain. Hebrew chapter 5. There is another place when this, when this psalm is, you know, quoted back. And Hebrew chapter 5 and verse 5 and it just says, it's very quick, very short. It says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, God Almighty said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, what we can get here? Not much, except, except, that's another title. This, my son, is way above all the priesthood that I put in place. He is the high priest. He's way above any priest that is on this earth. He's the heavenly priest. And I have appointed him, because why? He is my Son. Of all the people, he is my son. Okay? But it still doesn't explain a lot. Book of Acts. That's where the third time this Psalm Psalm 2 is quoted. Book of Acts chapter 13. And we're going to read a little bit more verses just to give you a context here. Right? Book of Acts chapter 13, let's pick it up from verse 26. To bear forth, remember that's the word. 26, verse 26. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in the condemning him. Verse 28. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God, verse 30, but God raised him from the dead Bring forth, raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we, verse 32, we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the Father. What promise? Just keep reading. That promise which was made to the fathers long time ago, verse 33, 
God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in what way? In that he has raised up Jesus, as it's also written in the second psalm. Wow. This is the explanation now. God raised Jesus from the dead. He says, I have begotten you. I have raised you up from the dead. He says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. What a powerful psalm. What a prophetic song. And yet, we know so little about it for some reason. How can we understand this song? How can you understand it? What is it saying about it? You know, there's two different words. Begotten. Yelled. It means to bear, to bring forth. Now, we know that partially, that's how this song was fulfilled. All the rulers, the kings, you know, back then, even today, they tried to conspire against, you know, the God's anointed one. They crucified him. They thought they'd, you know, doing something special. You know, they're going to get rid of him. Didn't work then. It's not going to work now. It will never, ever work because God is in charge. God is always in control. And Christ's resurrection was such a sure thing that God put it in the Bible, in the second Psalms, the way prophesied about Christ's crucifixions long time before Christ even came on the scene. Such an amazing story. So Jesus Christ is he's the only one. He's the unique one. He's a special one. He's the Son of God. He was who was begotten, who was resurrected from the grave. That's what it means. And you know, brethren, there is more than that. As we read it, as we quoted, right? There is also a specific timing relating to this prophetic psalm, you know. Look about it. It says, today, today I have reached you. Today. When is today? Was today yesterday? Was today 2,000 years ago? Or maybe today would be 1,000 years from now. There is a specific timing to this prophecy. When is this today? When is it? When is it today? We know the answer. We know the answer, right? God raised Christ from the dead, from the grave. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And here in verse 44. Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Look at this. What Christ said after his resurrection. What he said to his disciples. He said to him, verse 24. Then he said to them. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And what happened? And he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scripture. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus was necessary. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Christ was never late. Christ came on time. He was in the grave for three days and three nights. He was resurrected. And that's the plan of God. Nothing, even Satan himself, could not Stop it. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. 
something other important passage here after Christ's resurrection. Look what he told to his disciples. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus, chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, look at this. Remember what you read in Psalm 4? Psalm, Psalm 2, I'm, I apologize. Psalm 2. Look what he says here after he was resurrected. What he said? Jesus came and spoke to them saying, how much authority? He says, all authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven and on earth. All authority. That's exactly what God promised. Psalm, in Psalm number 2. That's exactly what God promised. Now, let's go back to Psalm 2. Let's go there. Let's go back there one more time. Now we have so much more information. Now, now it's going to make a crystal clear sense as we're going to read through all of this. So again, let's read it. Let's start from verse 7. Verse 7. I will decree, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son today. When I resurrect you, when I resurrect you, said today, I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. When he was resurrected, we ascended to the Father, where he said at his right hand, all authority, all authority was given to him. The nations of your inheritance, the ends of the earth of your possession. Verse 9, you shall break them. This is what's coming. See, this was written hundreds of years ago. It's still not yet fully, fully fulfilled yet. There is this part to be fulfilled yet. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessels. And now terraform. We know the results, right? Because we studied the scriptures. We have the faith, not just in God. We have the faith in this Messiah. It is special, specific, unique son of God, right? Now terraform. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth, okay? Listen, President Trump. Listen, President Putin. Everybody just listen what's here. They don't care, right? It's okay. Verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Verse 12. Kiss the sun. This can be angry. And you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled, but a little. And look at it how it's ended. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. In who? Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. In whom? In the sun. Wow. What a powerful song. What a powerful song. Right? Now, let's, with all this information that we just collected, that we just read through, right? Let's just go back to Apostle Paul, and I want to read from Philippians chapter 2. So, we have all this thing, all this information, all this science, everything is beautiful. Now we know our mind, which is nicely organized. Let's try to understand Philippians chapter 2 now, okay? We'll see how easy it's going to come now. Philippians chapter 2, let's start from verse, from verse 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, okay? Let's read it. I'll read it to you first from the New King James Version. It says like this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, so we need to learn. What, what, what was it? What, what kind of mind was it, right? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He has every right, but he didn't do it. Okay? But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of man. He was born as a human being, so to speak, right? 
and being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And as the result of what Christ accomplished for all of us, there was no any other way. This was the only, only way for our salvation. Okay? This was the only way. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, as we just read it, some, some do, that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Wow, what amazing. Let me, let me just read the same passages, the same verses here. But I'm going to read it from the Holman Christian Bible, okay? So let me, let me just read. I'm just going to read it quickly. You just listen, you know, we just make a notes on your own time. You can switch on your electronic devices to a different version. And I love this thing, the way how it was put in, in this kind of a version of the Bible. It says like this, Christian Holman Bible. It says, verse 5, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And and when he had come as a man, in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brethren, it's okay to worship Christ. It's okay. We, should, we shouldn't feel ashamed to worship him. He is worthy to be worshipped as his father. If we do this thing, we're doing to the glory of the Father. Now, when Christ became a human being, okay, when he came on this earth, when he became a human being, that was his first, okay, remember, that was his first miraculous birth. Listen to this. When Christ was resurrected by his father from the death from the grave, when he ascended to the heavens, that was the second biggest miracle that happened in the Bible. And you know what? That was Christ's second birth. This is the story. This is the untold story from the Bible. Christ First time as a human being, second time as a powerful, spiritual, heavenly, only equal to God. Can you see how powerful it is? When you say, Jen, you know, you're blaspheming God. What are you talking about? You can't say it like that. Oh, we should not. You know, Christ was warning us. Christ, Christ was warning us about that thing. He told the same story to Nicodemus. Remember John chapter 3? Let's go there for a second. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. He told us. It 
turned and said to him, What assuredly I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered in verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Period. Just as there is the first resurrection, there is the second resurrection. Just as there is the first birth, and there is the second birth. And Christ fully explained it to us. Now, there is another aspect. Do we understand these things? What happened to the incarnation of Christ? To his resurrection, all these things. It's so much easier to read the gospel and try to study and analyze it and compare it with the people. They just, you know, complementary. They just feel each other. Now, when Christ spoke on this earth as a human flesh, okay, many times when you read to the apostolic writings, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. Okay? You know the story. Many times he said, Son of Man. And, you know, he had the right to do so. He was the firstborn Son of Man, according to the flesh. But also Christ many times referred to himself, you know, as Son of God. But let's... Let's, let's just give you some scripture. I want to give you some scripture about the Son of Man. Matthew chapter 9. Right, Brother Jan, sorry to interrupt you. Um, when you were finished Philippians, something happened to your microphone. And uh, brethren are not hearing you as clearly. And this is such an important message. I, you know, If you don't mind, um, maybe um, we could just sing a hymn and give you a chance just to work out your microphone. It's not good. The volume has dropped significantly. And it just it just drops suddenly. So, brother Murray, if you don't mind, can we maybe just have a? a it just, just drops then, um, that will give I don't know if you Sure. Let's let's uh, let's sing the hymn we had scheduled for um, at the end. Let's sing page one fifteen that we had scheduled, and. Uh, and maybe Jan can uh, turn turn off his uh, log off and log back on, and that will probably fix it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Sister Jennifer, if, uh, when you're ready, if you can start uh, on page 115, come thou long expected in Jesus.
I apologize, brethren. It's nothing that I've tried everything here. It's nothing that I touch, nothing that I move. Hopefully, you were able to hear me now better, much better than, you know, whatever happened again before, I mean. So I'm just going to wait here and just wait for a confirmation that you actually can hear me what I'm saying here. All right. Yeah, you're coming in perfectly. now. Very good. So hopefully it's going to last. I'm about here to finish here, but so right, right after Philippians, you can reread the same, you know, that you can read the story of the Philippians. But when I finish the Philippians, I make a few huge, huge two points. I said that one, I said when Christ became a human being, when Christ became a human being, that was his first miraculous birth, so to speak, okay? And now when Christ was resurrected by his father from the grave, that was his second miraculous birth. And that is the story that is still untold today to believers. So now, in John chapter 3, I don't know if you were able to hear, but we shouldn't be surprised. Because Christ, in his message to Nicodemus, he actually told him that. He was trying to explain him to that in in John chapter 3 and verse 3, just read these verses again. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born which, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of a water and a spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we have a perfect example, the prototype. Christ was the prototype who came, was resurrected, and went back to his father. And this is kind of a birth that Jesus Christ is talking here. You know, and we have to go through the same process to be resurrected. And this passage has nothing to do that you make a little confession and say, the Lord, that God is my Lord, that Christ is my Lord. And you know what? And they say, oh, you are a second born or a second generation or a second born Christian. This has nothing to do with that, right? Absolutely nothing with that. It's a way more meaningful than we can imagine. Now, I also said that when Christ walked on this earth in his human flesh, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. Okay? He referred to him as the Son of Man. And, you know, he had the right to do so. Because according to the flesh, he was born as a son, as a firstborn son of Mary, right? So let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 here. Quickly, there is a lot of scriptures when you can find in the apostolic writing about Christ referring to, to, to referring to himself as a son of man, okay? But let's just, just gonna go give you a few examples here. Chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 6. And, you know, just breaking into the context here. Christ performed a great miracle. But look what he says here. But that you may know that the Son of Man, the Son of Man, even though he's just a man, but the Son of Man has a power on earth to forgive sin. You know how amazing this sounds? How can you say as a human being that I have a power, okay, to forgive anyone's sins? I don't have that power. Who's got this power? Only God. And Christ is already acting like he knows that all authority will be given to him when he's going to be resurrected. He had full trust in his father. Full trust that, you know, he's on a mission and he's going to accomplish this mission. Christ's going to, and God's going to resurrect him and all power and authority is going to be given to him. Even here at this point, as a man, he's got a lot of authority. Now let me give you the last one here. Matthew chapter 26. 
Matthew chapter 26 and verse 64. And here Jesus said to him, It is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see, look what he says here, the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He couldn't comprehend what he was saying. But Christ was saying exactly what was written in the scripture before that. And they should have known. Now, there are many other examples you can try and find in the scriptures, you know, when Christ referred to him as a son of man. But there also Christ referred to him as a son of God. And this is so important because he was both son of man and son of God at the same time. John chapter 10. And I'm going to spend a lot of time here. Just I'll give you one verse. You know, we can do your own, you know, Bible study and find all this reference to the Son of Man and the Son of God. But here in one here, John chapter 10 and verse 30, it says, he said, look at the statement, how important, how powerful the statement is. He says, verse 30, I and my father are one. Or basically, I and my father are the same assets. It's not talking about the authority who's got more authority or we have the same. No, no, he says, I am the same as my father. I belong to the same family. That's why I am called the son of God. Okay? And look, Jews, they, they, they got the point. They got the message right away. But for them, that was a blasphemy. Look what they say. Then the Jews, verse 31, took up stones against to stone him. And they say, Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown, shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? And they answered. If they said, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you. But for blasphemy, what blasphemy? And because you, being a man, make yourself God. And he had every right to do that. Because he was not just the son of man, he was also the son of God. Now, when Christ used this reference in the Bible to himself as the son of man, in use in the scripture to describe his humanity, okay? Humanity of Christ. When we see in the scriptures, we use the reference to the Son of God. It's his reference to his deity of, of, of Christ, the deity of Christ. And both terms, both terms were used, but both terms mean the same thing. He was man and he was God. And let me finish here with the three scriptures. I want to first finish my presentations with the three scriptures. And they were very powerful ones. But let's go. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And Paul clearly, clearly, Paul got the message. He could understand. He could distinguish. He knew who Christ was. He was, he was trained by Christ. Personally. Look at this. Look, look what happened right here. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. And right here are the salutations of, of his letter. Romans chapter one. But you're going to read a few verses. One to five or six. Okay. Romans chapter one. Look. Paul. This is how he begins his writing his letter. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Verse 2. Which he promised, okay, before, through his prophets, in the Holy Scriptures. What Holy Scriptures? There was no apostolic writings back then, okay? We're talking about the Torah. We're talking about the prophets and the Psalms, okay? Through, in the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, concerning his son Jesus, Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, okay, he was born in the flesh, according to the flesh, and declared to be son of God 
with the power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Wow. What a powerful understanding that Paul is saying right at the beginning, right of his letter. He's so able to articulate for us, explain it to us, how all the scriptures come into the fulfillment. And there is a lot of them. Nothing happened by accident. And two more, Ephesians chapter 1. I have to finish in Ephesians as I told you in my other messages. Nothing opened so many doors to my understanding of the, you know, of the Bible. Like the Bible study about the letter of the Ephesians and Colossians too. So if you haven't watched this Bible study about this particular letter, Ephesians and Colossians, please do so. It's still available there. It's still on UCJ. You can find on the, you can still find it on your app, on your phone if you have it. But it's such a powerful message, such a powerful teaching. So this power, this amazing power that God showed raising Christ from the dead. Let's, let's just break into the context here. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? What is this power? How big is this power? How huge is this power? Just keep reading verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, fulfills all in all. Did you, did you just understand what we just read here? We are his body. He is the head where his body. As he is sitting over there on the strong way above it, we are figurative speaking with him right now. And we have this power. This amazing power through the God who raised him from the dead, we're going to experience the same power when one day we're going to be resurrected from our dead, when we're going to be born from above, when we're going to be born second time, exactly how Jesus Christ was. Okay? And let's finish, let's finish with Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Don't forget, okay, by grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What a glory is awaiting for all of us. If we stick to the end. If we stick to the end. So brethren, let me finish right here. Let me just remind you. When the Bible refers to Jesus as the Son of Man, it should always remind us that Jesus become a man so that he could die. Okay? He become a man so that he could die. Son of Man remind us that Jesus is God so that he could live a sinless, 
perfect life and become a perfect lamb of God. Okay? That's why. And now, without being a man, he could, he could have not died. If he was not a God, he would have been a sinner like us. He had to be born twice. This is the untold story of the birth of Christ. Not once, but twice. May God bless you all. Have a great week. And happy Sabbath. Thank you, Brother Jan, for that very powerful message. Um, amazing to me that we can uh, every year come into this time of year and, and preach about this subject and, again, dig deeper and peel the layers of the onion back. And uh, amazing that you finished off in Ephesians and then before that Romans and really ties that back into how the thread of the narrative um, um, just continues to run through uh, the, the entire body of scriptures and how we've been covering that from uh, for the last number of, of months. Definitely appreciate that. Lots to unpack there. A very powerful message, uh, the birth of Christ that happened twice and all based around the resurrection. Uh, very, very powerful. Um, also appreciate that you uh, were able to uh, push through that little technical dif- technical issue. We never know why uh, that happens, whether that was the adversary uh, trying to, to, to do something. But, you know, all things work out together for good for those who love him. And we actually were able to... Uh, uh, choose a hymn that is so appropriate that we need to sing to close the, the hymn here. So uh, perhaps uh, perhaps this was a, a good thing that came out of this. We will sing after the closing prayer, uh, page three, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Very, very meaningful hymn at the end of this sermon. Uh, but we will close with prayer and, uh, again, invite you to the study on Wednesday evening at 7.30. We'll be in Psalm 94. Services again next Sabbath at 2.30. We'll be hearing from Pastor Adrian. Looking forward to that and wish you all a, 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 balance, a blessed balance of the Sabbath and a safe, safe week. Please bow your heads as we close in prayer, and then we will close on page three. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Father in heaven, we just pause before you at the close of this service. So grateful for all the work that has gone into it, the technology that uh, work goes on behind the scenes and all the work that uh, our brother Jan did to put this message together and uh, just humble that all the the work that you and Jesus Christ have done on our behalf that um, the truth which has been preserved for us and the the deeper that we dig the more you'll reveal to us and what a what a powerful message we heard today we uh, should deepen our faith as we as we read and restudy the scriptures that we heard today and understand their deep meaning, help us to do so in the, the coming uh, balance of the Sabbath and in the coming weeks ahead of us uh, to see how this uh, really is just a, another layer of the, the deep, deep narrative that we've uh, come to to love and depend on and, and uh, base our faith around. Thank you for this, Father. Thank you for the, you, the plan that you and Jesus Christ had and have and are, are continuing to put into play. We're grateful that we are, we know about this plan. We're grateful that you know who we are. Just ask you to be with us, to strengthen us, to deepen our faith and be with your, your body around this world as we continue to go through this, this time that, that keeps us separated, that keeps us, um, that, that we are under attack, that we, we, uh, um, stay connected that we do our very best to to reach out to each other, to stay 
to stay connected and, and as best we can to keep each other motivated and, and inspired and edified and comforted. Uh, I ask you to be with all of those who have reached out for prayer. You know all of our big, long prayer list. And just so very, very grateful, Father, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us hope beyond this life. We thank you. We thank you for uh, keeping the technology going. Dismiss us from here and go with us this week and keep us faithful till the return of your son. We thank you for this. We look forward to uh, the balance of the week and thank you for all things in his most holy, righteous, and perfect name, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.